You are listening to Steel Talking, and our next guest I've been waiting for tonight, Sue Abderholden is her name, Executive Director of NAMI Minnesota. And NAMI is, uh, stands for the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Welcome, Sue. It is so great to have you join us each year. Thank you. Oh, thanks for inviting me. There is so much going on when it comes to uh, what is happening with mental illness, how it is ever-changing, it feels like to me. There's more information, which I really am grateful for, but a lot of it I don't mm-hmm. understand. Do you ever feel that way? Yes, I will admit that, <laughs> um, especially the increase that we're seeing. Uh, and we know COVID certainly had an impact, but um, the suicide rates increasing, the rates of depression and anxiety increasing are, are just really concerning. Yeah, and I know that the holidays, you and I have talked about this many times, but when it's in full swing, some people have difficulties, major difficulties even, joining in on the holiday joy. Holiday joy, that can be defined in so many different ways. How do you define it? Well, one would hope that holiday joy would actually bring um, hope and, you know, great expectations um, and being with family and friends, you know, feeling happy about what is happening. But unfortunately, we know that that isn't true for everyone. And actually, I saw a recent study that said 64% of people who have a mental illness feel that the holidays make their conditions worse. When you sit back and you think about the holidays, do you say to yourself, what can be done? What can we do to help everyone stay mentally healthy into the new year? That is quite um, a suggestion, I should say. Yes, and I think there's some things to kind of keep in mind. Uh, The big one, actually, for me is banning perfectionism. You know, be realistic about what you can and cannot do. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I can't wrap a gift to look pretty if my life depended on it. And I just gave that up. I said, it's okay. (laughs) You know, if it's sloppily, you know, kind of mushed together uh, with scotch tape, that that's okay. I don't. I don't have to have everything be perfect. Right. And I think, unfortunately, right, we, we try to do that. We try to have the perfect holiday, and there is no such thing. Exactly. Oh, my goodness, if we could all, all of us, wrap that around our heads. There was an article written by Michelle Pugel and uh, medically reviewed by Leslie Becker-Phelps. And um, it, it says, despite the bright lights and festive cheer that accompany the winter holidays this year, especially the, the time of year, Uh, can bring about feelings of loneliness, isolation, grief, and sadness, both for people with clinical depression and even for some who aren't depressed. For me, if it's people who are not even depressed but they're starting to feel that, is that a sign that they may fall into depression? Well, they might, but it also could be a, a number of other things. You know, it could be the lack of sun, right? It could just be seasonal affective disorder and you know, getting one of those um, lights, you know, could could help. It could also be that some people are still grieving during the holidays. You know, if you lost someone in the last year, two, three, even four to five years, right, the holidays in some ways are tinged with sadness because you miss them. Right, exactly. But if you do have depression, um, it could worsen pretty quickly. It seems like it can move in its own way, before we get a chance to hold uh, hold it off. I think that's really true. And again, I think it comes to um, the expectations being too high, right, about what's supposed to happen, how you're supposed to feel during the holidays. Um, I think it can be because we kind of lose some of our healthy habits, 
right? We might eat too much, eat too, you know, kind of sugary, fatty foods, drink too much, not get as much exercise because it's cold outside, maybe not sleeping well. So losing those healthy habits during the holidays can make things a lot worse. It is so true. I was feeling great. I stayed away from sweets, right? I was told mm-hmm. um, by a doctor, hey, let it go. Just don't don't even eat it. For about, what was it, three months, I didn't touch it. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Thanksgiving mm-hmm. comes around. Do I eat the turkey? No, no, no. Geraldine is in the cookies, right? And it was really <laughs> frustrating, Sue. It was really frustrating. And I wonder if we really understand how our minds and hearts work when we eat, what that really means. What advice do you give those who are, are starting to feel depressed? Is there? Would you address the foods that they're eating? Do you ask them those types of questions first? Well, definitely, again, kind of going back to those healthy habits, right? You know, um, are you, you know, are you eating nutritious foods? Are you getting enough sleep, which really is critical to your mental health? Are you moving in some way to get the endorphins going in your brain? Um, are you setting some boundaries, right, about what you can and cannot do? Because I think, again, we can feel overwhelmed during the holidays, no matter what holiday you celebrate, because of the expectations about what's supposed to happen. Right. Um, and I think a big thing is people just need to kind of sometimes just take a break, you know, say, no, I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm, you know, I'm going to set some boundaries here. Maybe that's something we need to start putting in our laws, you know, Um that seriously, because it has it's come to a, a point where it is very difficult to manage depression. Um, mm-hmm. And there are people that are managing it well, really well. They've been so fortunate to understand it. Their bodies are accepting more of the good stuff. Um, but for, mm-hmm. for those millions of people around the world, around our country, and now in our great state of Minnesota, it's hard. So how do you... How do you um, suggest to them, to those that are getting worse during the winters and getting worse when they're lonely, how do, how do you start to converse with them? Well, I think one thing, and, you know, I've had um, family members who lived with depression, so, you know, I've had to deal with it personally. And, you know, some of it is kind of planning ahead, to be honest. If you know that usually in... November and December and January, you're really struggling with your depression. So plan ahead, right? Think about what are those things that can actually help me feel better during that time that can prevent me from getting into a deep depression. You know, do I tell, you know, a friend, can you please just check on me every couple of days, text me, make sure that I'm responding. You know, can you come over and kind of let's take a walk if it's not, you know, below zero, you know, just plan a little bit so that you don't kind of dive into that deep depression. Um, the darkness, you know, frankly, in Minnesota doesn't help either. So I really kind of encourage some people to look at getting, um, you know, a sad light, a seasonal affective disorder light, because that can actually really help as well. Be sure and check, though, for example, if you have bipolar disorder, check with your um, mental health professional to make sure that um, it's okay for you to use one. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Um when we have trusted loved ones, sometimes we lose them or maybe they move away. Um, and it's got to be hard for those who are looking for someone that has been with them for a long time and they trust them completely. And then all of a sudden they can't be with them anymore. They're not in the location where the person suffering from depression is. And I'm just curious to know, how do they quickly change to find another that will accept them and love them and help them? 
Well, that can be hard, Joan, because um, especially if you're already feeling depressed, creating new friendships and right. relationships can be just draining. You know, but these days, you know, I mean, I had a Zoom call on Thanksgiving morning with all my brothers because none of us live in the same place, right? Mm. So we were able to connect. Um, a lot of people do have smartphones. You can FaceTime people so that you can really see them and see how they're doing, which is different than just a regular phone call or an email or a text. And so don't be afraid to reach into that person, even though you might not be living close by. You know, that happened to me one time. I actually <laughs> was on the phone and having a good time and uh, on Facebook. And, you know, I was trying to do um, a, uh, where I could kind of promote a show that I was doing. And then I decided not to do that and just ask people, how are you doing? And um, I was really stunned at what some people said to me. And I did not put mm-hmm. that video out. Um, I just decided, nope, this is personal. But it's something we should all think about. Can you imagine? <laughs> I, mean, I know you can't because you know how this all mm-hmm. has unfolded and is still unfolding. Where do you see depression and NAMI? Where do you see all of it going in the future? Let's say 10, 15 years from now. Do you think there will be a massive change? Like there will be other ways of healing uh, with these this challenge? You know, I truly hope so. I mean, what we've seen, if we can look for any silver lining out of the pandemic, is that a lot more people understand what it's like to be depressed or anxious. And so I think there really is greater awareness um, and and people are not as afraid to talk about it. And so, you know, we know that things, you know, like healthy habits certainly help. We know that medication is sometimes needed for some people. We know that therapy can really help people through this. But there are lots of healing practices, too, um, that can be useful, whether it's, you know, meditation or yoga, um, you know, even things like mindfulness training, um, acupuncture, you know, even massage. You know, when you think about it, for some people, they haven't felt human touch, right? Perhaps they lost their spouse, you know, and so, or their partner, and um I, I think there is something to the healing power of human touch. I agree with that. Absolutely. Sue Abderholden, Executive Director of NAMI Minnesota. Can you uh, take a break with us and come back? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. We look forward to it. We'll be back in a moment. It is now 748 here at WCCO. If you're just joining us, Sue Abderholden, Executive Director of NAMI Minnesota, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Um, she is joining us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline as we wrap up this hour. Welcome back, Sue. Thank you. I'm amazed at um, relationships and how they affect people. Uh, I remember having a young niece who, you know, had friends that were just so dear to her for so many years. And then all of a sudden someone changes, just one person in the in the math problem, you know, <laughs> there's mm-hmm. just one. Mm-hmm. And that change changes everything. And before you know it, you're without friends and you're without this and without that. All the things that you depended on are no longer there anymore. What is the advice for them to start again? Boy, that is really tough when that happens. And I think the younger you are, the harder it is because you can't, you don't have that long view, right? That as you get older, we, we kind of get that. You know, I, I think sometimes to realize that sometimes it's not about you, right? It's about how the other person is changing and viewing the world. And so, you know, you kind of need to get back out there. Um, you know, perhaps it's um, through your job or, you know, at the gym, Um you know, maybe some other types of hobbies or, you know, things like that, just to try to meet new people. 
um, and you will find them, right? You you will meet new people. You will become friends um, with some other people, but it might take a little bit of time. And so give your, give yourself, you know, some, some space to make that happen. Yeah. And that time has to be redefined for everyone involved, right? We have to each look at a piece of that time and say, okay, what should I do? What should I do? You know, just let that group say, these are the things that we can do. Like, you know, as I, you sent me some information about assessing your relationships and setting boundaries. This is so important. It's been important for my life. And I actually would have a list of piece of people that I would say, I'm sorry, we have had a wonderful time together, but it is time for us to move on. You've got great things to do in your life, and I hope I have great things to do in my life. But it's not easy for those who are really suffering from depression and other things. No, because it's really hard to have the energy to kind of, you know, uh, get yourself out there. I, I think the other thing to remember is we go through different phases in our lives, right? And so, you know, it might be that your friends are actually leaving the state to go to college and you're not, right? And so you're going to lose touch with them in a way. Um, It might be that um, your friends are having children and you don't have children yet and children create new demands on someone and make it hard sometimes to have friends. Um, Some people work more than one job and so you tend to be friends to people that you work with. So all those things change over time and I think that's important to remember as well. It is so important to remember that. I'm so grateful that you uh, mentioned it. Also, um, volunteering is the, my favorite thing that in the list of things to talk about tonight when it comes to NAMI uh, because it can change your life. It can change your life in an instant. Um, some of the things that are talked about volunteering, it's a lot to cope with because you see a lot of depression. You see a lot of people suffering um, but in, in some of these places. But at the same time, we don't know maybe by watching or trying to talk to others and they may not say, hey, I'm feeling better already. But I have actually experienced, you know, being there to serve someone. And they look at me with that eye when I first see them, and it's kind of like, oh, who are you? And by the time we're done with our transaction, they turn and go, hey, thank you so much. You know, have a great day today. And that little moment, that trinket of joy was enough for me that day. I don't know if it was enough for that person that I was in front of. Um, and that's the part I love about um, volunteering. So if, if people want to say, you know, I'm just not feeling well and I don't really know what's happening in the world, yeah, start with volunteering. To me, that is one of the best things we can do to connect with others. You agree? Oh, it's a great, oh, absolutely. I, it's a great idea for people to do. And it can be, you know, irregular, like doing, you know, just at an event or something like that, putting together food baskets, things like that. Right. Or it can be a regular kind of gig that you have. But when you give your time and energy to someone else, you feel better about yourself. It's as much as giving to someone else as, as it is giving to yourself. Yeah. And some of us don't realize it. We don't realize it's even happening. But if we stop and really think about it, just the other night I was at the Dakota with my brother and we did a Thanksgiving night show and it was so opening for me. I just loved all of it. And I started thinking, wow, Geraldine, if you can share that with your own soul every day, (laughs) right? I don't care if you need to start singing. Those that can't sing, even though you can't sing, sing it anyway because there's a lot of joy in that. And that's another thing that happens to those that are part of NAMI. Uh, Some of the people that are getting the help from you, they see that, oh, I can find joy in other ways. Smaller, not bigger, but meaningful. Well, we really see that actually, you know, our support groups are led by people with mental illness or by family members. 
And so when you go to one of the support groups and you see someone who is actually doing well or doing better, and they're leading the group, they're giving back to the community, that gives you hope that you can get better too. Yeah, wow, well said. And then finally, you know, we hear from so many different um, types of organizations that are working hard as well, trying to figure out a way to bring more hope and more joy into the lives of people that are really suffering with mental illness. And it seems like the numbers are getting bigger. Are you seeing that the numbers are getting bigger? The numbers are definitely getting bigger. And again, I think it's left over from COVID. And as much as, you know, most people kind of say they like to work from home, I think that is isolating too and can be difficult for some people that might not recognize it at first. Mm. Communication in families is um, dwell, dwelling down. It's just not. Oh yeah, it's not working like it used to be. It used to be families really kept that um, that group together in some way. It wasn't perfect. None of us are perfect, but oh my goodness, there were really special friends and uh, special families that would meet other families, and all of a sudden, it just keeps growing into this beautiful thing. Now you don't hear as much about it with all of the changes that have happened in our country, in our world. Maybe that's the thing that is really helping so many um, and then others not being helped. So if there was a way I could bring joy to people, give me one suggestion. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, You know, I think it's just reaching out to someone that you know is struggling because that will bring joy to someone, right? That it might not feel like it at first, but... The fact that someone is recognizing perhaps the pain that they're experiencing yeah. um, can can really help, honestly. Um, there is one thing I would just like to mention is that, you know, during the holidays, we have a lot of people with mental illness, including children who are in an inpatient psychiatric unit or in residential treatment. And that can be an extremely lonely place to be on the hol- during the holidays. And actually for well, probably over 15 years, um, NAMI actually collects uh, gifts and delivers them um, just a few days before um, the holidays so that people have a gift on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning in particular and don't feel left out and feel like actually someone is paying attention and cares about them. Right. Well, I tell you, it's not an easy thing to do what you do. The last time I spoke with you, I said, how do you do it? And, and you told us your truth. You told us your truth is not easy. It's hard, um, but it's worth sticking and staying with it. Um, yeah. Have you said to yourself in 2024, I'm going to take a vacation for six months? <laughs> you deserve it, darling. I <laughs> uh, No, no. But, you know, I just always kind of just remember, I, you know, not to lose sight of what counts. Um, and, you know, making sure that people know that someone cares, um, making sure that we continue to make changes in our mental health system so people can access, you know, appropriate care is still important. And, you know, truly, I feel like our organization makes a difference every day. And that really keeps me going. I am so grateful that you joined us tonight, Sue. And you always come and make sure that we get this information needed to send out to our listeners as well. Thank you for that. And we sure welcome you back next year for sure. Thanks so much. Take care Thank you, you so much. All right. Take care. Thank you to everyone. Just know that if you need some information, you just need to go to NAMI. Again, that's the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Please, please go find them. NAMI, Minnesota.